0: Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to open up your Word and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to break the bread of your word with uh, your people who are here and those who are watching online. I pray that you'll equip me to rightly divide your word of truth. I pray, Lord, that I would decrease you increase. I pray for a fresh filling of your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that we would all be open to uh, just a fresh word, a timely word from you. And may that word just um, Take root deeply and richly in our hearts. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So everything so far about this family that we're going to look at, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Esau, everything about them has been interesting. You know, we found it interesting how God led Abraham's servant to find a bride for Isaac, and that bride, of course, is Rebecca. Uh, we looked at the events surrounding esau and jacob 's birth they 're twins, but of course, Esau came out first, and we saw something interesting about their birth. We also saw the uh, interesting story about Esau selling his birthright to his twin brother Jacob for some stew and in genesis chapter twenty seven Uh, We're only going to look at uh, verses 1 through 40. Uh, We're going to learn even more about Isaac and his family. We're going to see some more interesting things. Um, And a title for the study is, It's Already Yours. And so we're going to use Genesis 27 verses 1 through 40 as a springboard um, to get us to um, this main message that the Lord has placed upon my heart. And so let's look at verse 1 in Genesis uh, 27. It says, now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here I am. And then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver. This quiver full of arrows and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory or tasty food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. So at this point, uh, it's believed by many Bible scholars or teachers that Isaac is 137 years of age. And there are some scholars who believe that he's about 135 years old. So not every single uh, Bible teacher agrees. But to arrive at some type of estimate of Isaac's age. Uh, but many Bible scholars take into account the fact that Isaac was 60 years old when Esau and Jacob were born. And then Esau was 40 years old when he got married. And then the fact if you fast forward. Um, That Jacob was 130 years old when Joseph, one of his sons, was about 39 years old. And so those are just a few pieces of information plus others which can help to give a clue of how old Isaac is at this time. So like I said, not everybody will agree, but at the very least, we know that Isaac is over 100 years old at this point in Genesis chapter 27. But if we use the calculations of many Bible scholars, which is 137 years old for Isaac, if we go with that, that that would mean that Esau and Jacob would have been 77 years old at the point of this study. See, Isaac, he mentioned to Esau in the first four verses that he didn't know the day of his death. Something very interesting that he mentions to him. He believed that at this point he was near death. But the Bible tells us in Genesis 35 that Isaac will live to be 180 years old and then he will die. But just as Isaac didn't know the day he was going to die, just like he told um, his oldest son Esau, none of us know the day we're going to die. None of us know the day of the rapture. But either way, we must be ready. In fact, Proverbs uh, 27 verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. In other words, you don't know if that's going to be your last day. You don't know uh, it's going to end up in the hospital, whatever the case may be. So we don't want to boast about tomorrow. Only God knows Uh, But James in the New Testament uh, tells us something that we could and should be doing. And that's in James chapter four, uh, verses 13 through 16. It says. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor. That appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So we don't want to be presumptuous. So yes, in our plans, it's okay to plan, but we always want to consider God and His plans and and His will. And so I believe it's proper, as the Word of God says, that uh, we should say if the Lord wills. That we'll be at this place if it's the Lord's will. We'll meet you at that restaurant tomorrow if it's the Lord's will. You just never know what's going to take place. We don't know which Day we're going to die when the rapture may take place. And once again, I bring that up just because of Isaac. He's at this point and he admits that he knows he's close to dying, but he don't know when he's actually going to die. And so he called Esau to himself for a purpose. He, He wanted to bless Esau, his older son, before he died, whatever that day may have been. But he's blind at the same time, so he has a lot going on here. Uh, But the first thing he wanted him to do is to hunt some game, maybe deer or something like that, and and make him up some food that he loves, something tasty or delicious for him. See, he was planning to pronounce this blessing upon him, although God had already made known that the older Esau, would serve the younger, that is Jacob, and that will be according to Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. God had already made that known, but yet and still, Isaac is trying to bless Esau. And on top of that, we know the story. Esau had also sold his birthright to Jacob, which I mentioned earlier in the study. And also by way of reminder in regard to the term birthright, this was a special privilege that was given to the firstborn. And so the son of the uh, birthright, they would get a double portion of the inheritance from the father. And then that that person who had that birthright, they would they would become the head of the family. They would become the spiritual leader. So it speaks of position. And this, of course, would happen when the father died. When the patriarch died. But on top of that in Jacob and Esau's case. The birthright would also determine who would inherit the Abrahamic covenant. Or that covenant that God had given to Abraham that we first saw in Genesis chapter 12. And that of course would include being the forefather of the Messiah. Jesus Christ or Jesus the Christ. And so although there appears to be some shady business here, because notice he didn't bring all the family before him, but it was just him and, and, and Esau alone. And so it does appear to be some shady business going on. Especially since he was trying to go against the will and the word of God. So even though that's the case, there is something positive about him wanting to bless Someone else before he dies. And the question I want to pose to all of us is that before we leave, who are we going to bless? Who are we going to make sure that we spend time in prayer with? Who are we going to bless through the word of God, through sharing the word of God, through sharing the gospel, through coming alongside somebody and helping them to mature in the faith? It's called discipleship. Who are we going to bless before we leave? Before um, it's our time to be called home. And so that's one positive thing I can take uh, from this interaction so far between Isaac and Esau. But we continue with this story in verse five. It says now, Rebecca was listening. When Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats. And I will make savory food, delicious food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then. She says to Jacob, you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. So here we are seeing the effects of Isaac and Rebecca having their favorites. And notice this. I don't know if you caught it, but but notice how it's worded here in in verse five. Just start off with that. It says that Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his sons. And then it says, so Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son. These are twins. They, they had these twins together. But again, we get a hint of this, uh, favoritism. In fact, we even go back to Genesis 25 verses, uh, 27 and 28. And it says in regard to Esau and Jacob, it says, so the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And I described last, last time that mild could mean quiet and peaceful in some versions. But the Hebrew word is Tom and it means he's perfect or complete. And so he was dwelling in tents. He was the opposite of Esau. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. And so here you see him, even in Genesis 27, telling him, "I want some of this game before I die, because I want to I want to eat that game. I want to eat this tasty meal and then bless you." But notice it also says in Genesis 25:28, the second part of that verse, that Rebecca loved Jacob. And so you're seeing all of this play out. You're seeing these effects of, of these parents having their favorites. We see that Rebecca initiated the plan for Jacob, her favorite, to be deceptive in, in order to get the blessing that Isaac wanted to give to Esau. And so we see here even more shady business in the family and for uh, uh, Rebecca, this shows her lack of trust in the Lord and in, in his in his word and in his plan, because, yes, she was aware of Genesis twenty five, twenty three, that the older Esau shall serve the younger. She was aware of that, but she wasn't willing to allow God to work it out. She was willing to engage in deceptiveness and to get her son, her favorite Jacob involved. And so what we see here is a divided family because one parent is going against the word or plan of God, hence Isaac. And then the other parent is not trusting in God to fulfill his word and his plan. We see division in the family. And and by the way, in the in the middle of pointing out how absurd it was for the religious leaders to to claim that Jesus was casting out demons by the power of Satan. Jesus shares a principle that we can apply to what we're reading here. And we can find that in Mark chapter 3 verse 25. Because they're, they're claiming that, that Jesus is casting out demons by Beelzebub, by, by Satan. But, but Jesus points out something. He says, and if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Once again, uh, Mark chapter three, verse 25, he points out a principle. And we see this happening in the house of Isaac. We know that just thinking of satan in his house his kingdom so to speak that's why you see certain groups even in our country it would seem like these groups will be opposed to each other but but you never see them going against each other in fact they're going to come against the christians why are they coming against the christians why because we are not a part of satan's kingdom but yeah, you have the lgbt movement you have uh all these other um religions uh islam so forth to get the doctrine from the enemy. These are doctrine of demons, so it's no wonder they are not at each other's throats, but they're going to be at uh Christian's throat. They're going to talk bad about Jesus and mock Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the way, he's the truth, he is the life. We are not a part of the enemy's kingdom. Why? Because, again, this principle here, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And that was just a sidebar bar there to just to introduce spiritual warfare and some things that we see going on. But to get back to the study here, we see this divided house. And, and maybe, unfortunately, for some people who are watching or who are in the building on this campus, maybe for whatever reason, your house is divided. And so in your home, are you going with the word of God? I ask that question because if the answer is no, then maybe that's a reason why there is division in your home. Are you trusting in the Lord? Maybe uh, half the people in the house are and the other half are not. Well, that can cause division within the home, within a family. Or maybe you're being like a Rebecca here. You're trying to do things your own way. Again, something else that can cause division, but just to reiterate the point before we move on, as it says in Mark 325, just remember that if a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. So we need to be united in the Lord. Verses 11 through 12, it says, and Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth skinned man says, perhaps my father will fill me and I shall be to him a deceiver or a mocker to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. Notice what Jacob was concerned with and what he was not concerned with. He wasn't concerned about whether this scheme was right or wrong. And did say, mom, th- th- this, is, this is not right. No, he was more concerned with whether he would pass as Esau. In other words, he was more concerned with whether the plan would work. Because if it didn't, he said, it would appear that he's mocking his dad or maybe even mocking the fact that Isaac is blind. Unfortunately, there's some people today who are not concerned with whether or not something is right in the sight of God or wrong in the sight of God. In fact, they are more concerned about, am I going to get caught? But we should be concerned, okay, does the Lord say it's right? Does the Lord say it's wrong? And of course, we stay away from the wrong and we follow the Lord's way. Not be, you know, concerned with, am I going to get caught? How, how, how can I be a Christian and live clo- as close to the edge as possible? How much sin can I do as a Christian and still be considered a Christian? Some people want to live on the edge that way, what I say, if, if somebody's thinking that way, I would encourage them to evaluate whether or not they're really in the faith. Because when we're saved, when we're born again, we're going to have a different mindset. Our mindset is going to be more of, how can I please the Lord in my lifestyle? It's not that there won't be times that you'll sin or whatever the case may be because you're going through the process of sanctification. So, yeah, there may be times that may happen, but if it happened, uh, get up, dust yourself off. In other words, confess that sin to the Lord. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins is to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and fellowship right there is restored not loss of salvation, but the fellowship could be broken. In other words, you're not on the same page with the Lord. I like to describe it this way. You know, maybe it's a relationship between a a son or a mother, daughter and mother or a husband and wife. You know, you, you may um, be at odds with each other. Maybe somebody says something wrong or, or maybe they do something wrong and the other party's upset. And so um, you may be not in fellowship, At that time, you're, you're not on the same page at that time, but you didn't lose the relationship. There's still your wife or your husband there. There's still your child. There's still your mother and father. So the relationship is still there. It's just, you're not on the same page. And that's how it is for the true believer. Sometimes when, I'll just say when we sin, if we sin, hopefully it doesn't happen, but if we sin, then yes, the fellowship is broken. The relationship is still there, but you still need to repent and get the fellowship back in place. Amen. And so we shouldn't be of the mindset of how close can I live to the edge as a Christian? Amen. There's something wrong with that mindset. Evaluate. Once again, if, if you're in the faith, if, if that's the mindset. And so we continue in the study here in, in verses. 13 and 14, it says, but his mother said to him, let your curse be on me. Or in other words, son, I'll accept the blame. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. Go get these uh, kids from from the goat. In other words, get, get some goats, some the, the best goat you can find. couple of them, because remember, she said she's going to prepare it. She's going to make it into some good food for Isaac to trick him. And he went in verse 14 and he got them and brought them to his mother and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. And so, yes, the scripture tell us to honor our parents both in the Old and the New Testament. However, we're to honor God and not obey them or anyone else, even if the if it's the government, if they tell us to do something against the word and will of God. It's called civil disobedience. That's, that's OK, according to the word of God, You because we rather obey God than man, whether it's government or whoever it may be. Or even in this case, parent, if they're telling us to do something against the word and will of God, we honor God above all else. And so don't let nothing or anyone come between you and the Lord. Because remember this, the, that pressure to sin could come from anyone, your best friend, your favorite cousin, whoever it may be. It could come from anyone, that pressure to sin. But but you always, always put God first, always honor him. And Don't let them come between you and him and your fellowship with the Lord. In verses 15 through 17, it says, then Rebecca took the choice or the best clothes of her elder son Esau which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory or this uh, delicious food and the bread, which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. So in other words, another way to see this is that Rebecca gave the food of deceit, Into the hand of Jacob. And that should cause us to pause and think and to reflect and and even maybe ask ourselves the question. And the question should be, what are we passing on to our children? What are we passing on to that next generation? Are we passing on the quote unquote food of deceit? or Are we passing on something beneficial to them from the word of God? Are we passing on to them a good and a godly uh, example as we live for the Lord and they get the benefit of of seeing us? allowing our light to shine so that when they see our good works as jesus says then they'll glorify our father in heaven so what are we passing on to the children and to the next generation it's a question for us to meditate on but in verses 18 and 19 it says so when he went to his father and said my father and he said here i am who are you my son And Jacob said to his father, Isaac, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord, your God brought it to me. So now Jacob not only lied about his identity, but he also lied about God's involvement. You see an example of him taking the Lord's name in vain. So Lord, he had nothing to do with this scheme, but 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 Jacob lied here. And, and Pete, some people today are no different from this. There's some people today who will bring the Lord into their lie. You know, the Lord led me to do this. No, He didn't. You did it because it made you feel good, and you liked it, and because you wanted to be like somebody else. As you wanted to be like the Joneses down the street, or whoever—sorry if your real last name is Jones—but you wanted to be like someone else in your neighborhood, in your class, at your workplace. You got that same car, maybe different color, that that coworker got because you were coveting. Oh yeah, the Lord led me to buy this new car, <clears throat> or the Lord told me that you are my wife, and the young lady was like, "Well, the Lord did not tell me the same thing." And so some people will bring the Lord into their lie. The, the Lord is blessing what I do, blessing me in my sinful lifestyle. He's okay with it. I know that's what your Bible says, but, but, but that Bible is written the, or the completion. It was completed 2,000 years ago, so, it's, so it's, it's not relevant. This is what the majority of people say today is okay. And to them, and morality should be based on what the majority of the people think is okay. And that's, that's, that's foolishness. That's a foolish thought because if the majority of the people say that it's okay to steal your belongings, does that make it right? No, no, no. There, there's a such thing as truth and it's based upon the word of God, but some people will lie on the Lord. You know, I, know, I know that's what it says there but that, oh that was that was cultural that, that was for that time or maybe you're interpreting You're something's wrong with your interpretation now, that's what some people will say in order to you know make their lie about the Lord seem true and in verses 21 through 23 it says then the Isaac said to Jacob Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. And so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. so he blessed him. You see, Isaac, the father, he was suspicious because of how quickly that food was prepared. And how quickly it was brought to him. And also, he was suspicious because the voice did not sound like Esau's voice. It sounds like Jacob's voice. But then, the, you know, hands are kind of hairy, so maybe, maybe you are Esau. And so he had this uncertainty about the situation, but he acted anyway. As he said, so he blessed them. And so there's something there for us, of course. And the message for us, at least in these verses, is that before we act, especially when it comes to life-changing, life-altering decisions, that we need to make sure that that things are legit. Because you want to make sure that people are who they say they are. You, you want to make sure that this opportunity is really from the Lord and you're not just making yourself see something because your heart desires it. But is your desire in line with the will of God? You need to be sure if it's the Lord's will. And I'd be like Isaac. Yes, Isaac, he's he done some things where there is he did some things that, that we can look at and say it's a good example, but here it's not he's. You know, doesn't have all the information, but he's still moving forward with what he wants to do. But in verse 24, back in Genesis 27, it says, then he said, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob just again, just uh, told another bold faced lie. He said, I am. You see, Jacob could have come clean at that point, but he didn't take advantage of that second opportunity to come clean, to tell the truth. And Ephesians speaking of lying. Ephesians 4.25 says, therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So obviously here in context, this is speaking uh, to believers. We're members of one another. We are a part of the same body. We are the church. You know, lying to each other, it's not going to help each other. Lying to each other is going to harm each other. It's going to stunt our growth. Amen. And we don't lie to somebody and say, you know, the way you feel, you know, that's OK. You you go ahead and that you go ahead and follow your heart. Just lying to folks. Instead of lovingly sharing the the, the truth from the word of God. I'm not looking down on them, not being hypocritical or anything like that, but just from the word of God. Well, actually, I know you feel that way. You think in that way. But but actually, you know, this is what the Bible says about that. And hopefully they'll be receptive of it. Because when the truth is involved and we're speaking the truth in love and they're receptive of it, there's some spiritual growth that's going to take place and it's going to benefit the entire body of Christ. We are members of one another. Verses 25 through 29, back in Genesis 27, he says, he said, bring it near to me. And I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you still now again talking to Jacob. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven. So in other words, as he pronounces his blessing, he says, may the Lord give you a plenty of rain in order to water your land and, and of the fatness or the fertility of the earth. Or this good soil. And plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. And by the way, if you fast forward, uh, you'll, you'll see that during the years of David and King Solomon, King David's son, that other nations were indeed subjected to the Israelites. So the word of God, it is true over and over again. It proves itself to be true. And then as he continues this, this. Um, invocation of this blessing he says be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you curse be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you and so this this man isaac he was he was tricked by the food first of all goat's meat instead of game and so that just just goes to show you that rebecca was a very good cook because he didn't know the difference between the the the, the goats and, and the the wild game out there that Esau was supposed to have hunted. He was also tricked not just by the food, but by the goat's hair on Jacob's hand and his neck. Additionally, he was tricked by Esau's clothing, which Jacob was wearing. You see, Esau's clothing smelled like the field because remember in Genesis 25, he was an outdoorsman. But instead, for Jacob, remember, he spent more time inside, inside of tents. And so as we look at this blessing and kind of break it down, we see that Isaac pronounced a material blessing upon him. He pronounced a blessing of authority upon Jacob. And he also pronounced spiritual blessings upon him. And then at the end of uh, verse 29, he said, curse be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. We see that that sounds similar to what God had promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse three. And so we see the spiritual blessing upon him. And so Jacob would end up getting Isaac's property through the birthright. And then now you see him getting the blessings. As they pronounced upon him from the Lord, that is through Isaac's pronouncement or this invocation. You see, Isaac, not Isaac, but Jacob, he pretended to be Esau. Just to get these blessings that Isaac intended to pronounce upon Esau. And there are some people, unfortunately, who are false believers today, and they are hoping to be blessed by the true and the living God, the God of the Bible. But people cannot pretend to be a believer in the sight of God in order to trick him into blessing them. That doesn't work with God. That that may have worked for Jacob in tricking his dad to pronounce his blessing upon him, but that's not going to work with God. The false convert of false believers and the Bible does talk about false believers, those who are a part of the visible church, but not part of the true church. What do I mean by that, do you have some wheat that are growing up among the tares or tares growing up among the wheat? So the wheat will be the true believers. The tares will be false believers. And, 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 and the Lord said, let them grow up together. And so, yes, you do have false believers coming amongst the visible church, but they're not a part of the true church. If they're part of the true church, that means they have been born again into the family of God. And so you you won't be able to get away with tricking God into blessing you if you're a false convert. It says in John uh, 10 verse 14, for example, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. He knows who are his. We may not know because they may sound like a Christian or whatever. but they may not be true comfort. That's why when we get an opportunity, even though um, most of the time during during the services like this, where there's believers, that's why we teach. We teach believers. We help them to mature in the faith, help help believers to be equipped for the work of the ministry. But when we go outside and speak to non-believers, we preach. We're sharing a gospel. They don't know the Lord yet. so, So we need to catch the fish before... We can clean it. So here we're going through sanctification. We are going through equipment. So there's mostly teaching here, but we do because we know that not everybody. We, we can't assume every single person here have placed their trust in Christ. We do have those opportunities even during the teaching where we offer or we extend that offer of salvation to anyone who has not yet received Jesus because we, we just don't know. God truly knows, but in verses 30 through 34, back in Genesis 27, it says, Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. So you see this close call here. And Esau, he also made tasty food. He brought it to his father and he said to his father, Ah, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly. He trembled, in other words, violently. He just knew something was extremely wrong, and he said, who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. Or In other words, or that blessing must stand When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, me also, oh, my father. And so it's at this time Isaac knew that he had blessed the wrong person. In his mind, it was the wrong person that he blessed. It was also at this time that Esau understood what he missed out on. In verses 35 and 36, he says, uh, the Bible says, but he said, your brother came with deceit. Jacob came with the seed. He's taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? Because remember, Jacob means one who grabs by the heel. It means supplanter. And and grabbing the heel, by the way, is a Hebrew idiom or saying for tricking someone. And this even goes back to the birth of these twins, how, how Jacob was grasping onto the heel of Esau as he was coming out of his Uh, mother's womb and so he said he supplanted me these two times he took away my birthright my share of everything you own and now look he has taken away my blessing and he said have you not reserved a blessing for me you see Esau here in verse 36 where he says he supplanted me or tricked me these two times he's referring to the time when Jacob bought his uh, birthright All because Esau wanted stew. He disregarded it. He he belittled the birthright. He didn't care for it. Jacob understood the importance of it. He bought it from him. And so he's referring to that as one of the times he supplanted him. And then here he stole the blessing. But here now all of a sudden Esau, he wants the advantages of the birthright. He wants the material and the social blessings that come with it. And then Isaac answered and said to Esau in verse 37, indeed, I have made him your master. And all his brethren, I have given to him as servants with grain and wine. I have sustained him. What shall I do for you, my son? Or in other words, what is left for me to give you my son? And Esau said to his father, have you not only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Now, I want to feel sorry for, for Esau, but, but again, we can't forget that, that he sold his birthright. Again, demonstrating that he didn't value this birthright. He did uh, uh, value spiritual things. But once again, now that he sees the value of it, And of the blessings that obviously here too late. Then in verses 39 and 40, it says, Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, being Esau. He says, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. But your sword or by your sword, you shall live. There'll be some warriors here that are going to come from Esau. And he says, And you shall serve your brother. These would be the Israelites Israelites came from Jacob and it shall come to pass when you become restless or when you decide to break free or rebel that you shall break his yoke from your neck. You see the the Edomites are descendants of Esau and they will go on to live in desert places and their territory by the way will not be as fertile as the land that the Israelites would dwell in. The Edomites would go on. These are again descendants of Esau. They would go on to build their nation. At Mount Seir. Which is at the southern end of the Dead Sea. And this is what, this is actually in line. What I've talked about there. It's in line with many Bible versions. That read in verse 39. That his dwelling shall actually be away From the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And so if you read different translations, you'll see that many of them said he'll dwell away from the fatness. Because Jacob will dwell in the fatness. I mean, he's going to be blessed. But in reality, we see that the Edomites will live in desert places. And so during David's reign, by the way, we see that the Edomites will be subject to Israel... But then there's another king down the line that will come, King Joram or Jehoram. Um, We see that during his time, the Edomites would rebel and win their freedom. And so we do see that prophecy fulfilled, even in the Old Testament. So the prophecy we see there in 39 and 40 in Genesis 27 has been fulfilled. The word of God is true. It is correct. It doesn't miss See, Isaac mentioned something. He mentioned something in his response to Esau in verse 33 that, that really needs our attention. What he says to Esau after Jacob quote unquote stole his blessing, Isaac says to Esau, I have blessed him. I bless Jacob, and indeed he shall be blessed. Very interesting. You see, the reason that he'll be blessed indeed, the reason why this blessing is going to actually work and is going to be applied to Jacob and and his descendants, it's not necessarily because of Isaac's prayer. It wasn't necessarily because of Rebecca and Jacob's scheme. Ultimately, the, the blessings of this prayer, this invocation worked. Because it was in the will and plan of God for Jacob's descendants to be stronger than Esau's descendants. And for the older Esau, the Edomites, to serve Jacob or the Israelites. It was in God's plan. And so, in other words, um, Isaac could not change God's mind. God already had it planned. He already had things set. And so even for us, when we pray, uh, the purpose is not for our prayers to change the mind or will of God. When we pray, it should help us to get in the will of God. And so he would be indeed blessed because it was always in God's plan for that for that Abrahamic covenant to flow through Isaac and to Jacob. And the New Testament said that these things were already set Before Jacob or Esau were even born or even before they had done any good or evil, God had already chosen Jacob to be the progenitor or the forefather of the Israelites and for him to be the forefather or one of them of the Messiah before they were born, before they've done any uh, works, good or bad. That's according to Romans chapter nine. And so once again, he's blessed indeed because it was God's plan. So in other words, uh, God is the true blesser. He, he's really the one who had blessed Jacob. Because once again, it was always in his will from eternity. And so it was unnecessary for Rebecca, and it was unnecessary for Jacob to scheme in order to try to steal the blessings. Why is that? It's because the blessings and the birthright had already belonged to Jacob. It was already his. The blessing already belonged to him. So it was unnecessary for them to do that and for the believer Because that's what we want to get to. We want to use this as a springboard to get to us. What does this mean for us as believers, as a body of Christ, as a person who's repentant and put his or her trust in Christ, who's a part of the bride of Christ? What does it mean for us? What it means for us is that there are also many blessings that belong to us as the church, as believers, but we also do not realize it. And then as a result, some of us, we try to experience these blessings through other sources or maybe through other means or methods when we don't have to do that because these blessings, because we're the children of God, they already belong to us. But yet and still we try to scheme, we try to go through all of these avenues to try to get what already belongs to us. For example, the the blessings, the spiritual blessings that belong to believers would include joy. You see, joy is gladness that is not based on circumstance. It's not based on your circumstance. Speaking of joy, it already is available to us as believers but there are some people who are trying to find joy in other things. They're trying to find joy in other sources. For some people, Christians, they, they, I'm going to find this joy in maybe partying. I'm going to party all of my worries away. You see, they're trying to find joy, something that already belongs to us, is, uh, and is available to us through other means through other methods and another thing that belongs to us another blessing that belongs to believers is peace what is peace? Peace is a state of assurance. It's the lack of fear. It's it's a sense of contentment. It is freedom from worry. It's freedom from disturbance and it's a freedom from oppressive thoughts. Is there anybody who, who are having oppressive thoughts? You maybe you're not free from worry at this time. Well, I want to share with you that peace does belong to you. It is available to you as a child of God. But unfortunately, some believers try to find peace through another means other than through god they may go through the bottle trying to trying to drink their sorrows away try to drink their way into peace or or maybe they take drugs in pill form even even prescription drugs maybe they take those to try to to try to um get high enough to where they feel they have this peace and that this disturbance this this worry that they're not free from they think is going to be all gone So here you see people trying to even find peace in other sources or through other means or strategies, but peace is available to us through God who is the God of peace. He's a God of peace. So first of all, through faith in Christ, you have peace with God. And because you have peace with God because of the work of Christ and because of your trust in Christ, what happens is that the peace of God is available to you. So I hope that makes sense. So because you have the peace with God as a believer you also have the peace of God available to you. But yet and still, people like Jacob are trying to get what already belongs to them and is available to them through other methods. And some people are even trying to find this right standing with God. They're trying to work their way into a right standing with God. Well, that's not something we really should be doing or can do. We can't have a right standing with God through works, through good works. In fact, the Bible says, that we are justified or declared righteous by faith in Christ. And so that's how we have a right standing with God. And so that's something else that is available to us that some even Christians try to go a different route to try to get to and then there's some who are looking for acceptance and so some people go to the world and they try to find acceptance there acceptance in the workplace acceptance on their team but if they read the scriptures if believers read the scriptures for example in ephesians chapter one it tells us that we don't have to go to any other source for acceptance because the bible says that we are accepted in the beloved and the word beloved has a capital b and it's talking about Jesus. And so stop trying to find acceptance in other sources or by any other means, because the acceptance already belongs to you as a believer, because you are in the beloved Jesus Christ through faith in him. And then there's believers, some who are looking for freedom from the power of sin. Another spiritual blessing, by the way, freedom from the power of sin. You see, they go into all these different ways to try to find this freedom and, and just, you know, they go to bed discouraged every time because they don't think they have this freedom from the power of sin. But in Christ, according to Romans chapter six, it says that in Christ we died to sin. So whenever you talk about a death, you're talking about a separation. And so we've been separated from the power of sin. And so really sin has no power over us except what we allow it to have. Yes, we still have a sin nature as a believer, but it really the ties have been cut by the way, so we really are not under the authority of it. We we don't have to engage in it all the time. We're live in slavery to it. We are free from the power of sin. We just have to reckon ourselves a word of faith, by the way, to be dead unto sin because we are in Christ. But then there are some believers who are looking for the power to change. They're looking for the power to do God's will. They're looking for the power to do the work of the ministry or to be an effective witness for God. They're looking for for this spiritual blessing, by the way through all these various means. They're looking at self-help books. Uh, how can I change? How can I do God's will, find God's will? Uh, how can I, uh, you know, be effective in the work of the ministry? So they read these self-help books or they they may listen to YouTubers who are barely saved or they're looking to make a name for themselves. And I've seen some weird things come out of people, these YouTube theology, but there, there's some good teaching on YouTube But but you have to use some discernment because some weird stuff comes out of there and these are people who not even be been saved a long time and they're looking like I said to get famous. So they putting out this weird stuff and, and some believers are are just biting on that hook, bite taking a bait. All well, we have to do is realize that we have the Holy Spirit who's indwelling us. So because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, then guess what? Then we do have the power to change and be more like Christ. We do have the power to be more effective in the work of the ministry. But get this. Here's another spiritual blessings. Some of us. Need to be reminded of because there's some believers, by the way, who are still looking for love through various sources. And I think there may be a song that some people are even looking for love in all the wrong places. But but the Bible tells us that God is love. We need to be reminded of that as simple as it sounds. We need to be reminded that, first of all, God is love. And so if you're looking for love, you have that love in God. In fact, God demonstrated his love to us is that while we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, as the worship team takes the stage, we don't have to scheme. We don't have to look at another source for the blessings of God, because what he has for us is already ours. If you agree with that, let us all say amen. 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 And so the fact, by the way, that we have a relationship with God, that means that we're blessed. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and you're blessed, you don't have to scheme for it. Amen. Amen. So we're going to have communion at this time. And we're going to remember Jesus' death for us. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 11. 23 says for I've received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So it's a time of remembrance. And every time we partake, we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It's like we're preaching a sermon that Jesus died for us. a great reminder, shed his blood for us, allowed his body to be beaten and abused for us he died for us. And so at this time, you want to I would encourage you to ask the Lord to reveal to you if there's any sin in your life and if there is, I would encourage you to confess it to him and repent and partake. And so I'll do a quick prayer, take my seat and then you can grab the elements from the front or back, take it back to your seats and you can pray over it and partake. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for your grace and mercy and all the blessings you have available to us and have bestowed upon us through Christ. We also pray over these elements, Lord. Thanking you for the body and blood of Jesus. And we do ask you collectively, Lord, to forgive us of our sins and purify our hearts and minds. And Lord, when it's time for us to leave this place, but not your presence. May you bless us with traveling grace and equip us to be used by you this week.